Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello. Hi. We were just discussing off air how wild it is that London is finally coming back to normal. On the weekend, the law changed for COVID where you can now meet five people outside in a park. So everyone was out and it was like a festival. It was it was crazy. When I walked through Hyde Park to meet some people, there was just cute girls roller skating all past <laughs> me and blasting music and everyone was just smoking weed and like screaming. It was yeah. so nice. So me and Izzy have become obsessed with dress rentals. Yes. Which is the future of fashion. I came up with this idea. Do you remember? I don't even want to talk about it because I feel like we should have done it. Yeah. This was so long five ago. years ago. And I said, there's got to be an Airbnb for clothes. Obviously, dress rentals have existed for ages. Yes. But what you're saying is no dress rentals existed for clothes that we actually liked and clothes we wanted to rent and really kind of independent, cool, fashiony brands. It was all rentals for like Realization uh, Par or Reformation or... Or stuff for weddings. The, yeah. the idea was that people that had rental companies didn't want to buy trendy things because the idea was the longer you can rent it out for, the more money you get on it. But my thing was, no, you have to capitalize on people being psychos and wanting something right now. And agreeing to pay $300 to wear my example at the time was that stupid Gucci t-shirt that I had. Do you mm-hmm. remember? <laughs> and then everyone had it. So I wanted to get rid of it and I sold it really quickly. And I thought I could have just, I would have paid $150 to, to just, wear this for a week. <laughs> yeah, which is so awful. embarrassing. I know. But true. <laughs> but true. And then I, I said that this will be the future of renting is these grabby things that you only want for five seconds because why buy them if you're going to hate them and why buy them if and even like the not super super trend driven pieces but just really expensive dresses Mm -hmm. that you would wear um once or twice or really expensive kind of statement dresses for example we're both obsessed with the vampire's wife but their Mm -hmm. dresses are like 1300 pounds for a dress (laughs) which is so wild um and then you could rent it for 100 pounds instead which still seems crazy because you're not buying it but I You're know. still getting like four days of wear out of this it. This is the bad thing of working in fashion for too long is you just get so Stockholm syndromed. Like I'm like a hundred pounds. <laughs> so cheap. Four whole days. <laughs> I know. Wow. Basically making money. Everyone just buys shit to post it on Instagram anyway. So like why own it? Yes. Why own it? Why own anything? Why have a house? Why have a car? Anyway, the point is we were talking about how um, it's been so wild that we're so used to the way life is right now. We've been in... Don't want to go on about it, but we've been in a full lockdown with nothing open and not allowed to leave the house since mid-December now. Um, Whenever I talk to people in Australia, people, they just know that England is kind of fucked. So they just are very vaguely like, oh, is it like bad over there? Yeah. And I'm like, I haven't left the fucking house in months. I know. And then the way that we kind of just get on with it. But looking back, 
we're probably going to be like that was such a crazy intense really hard time i'm finding out quite hard at the moment because things are opening up and going back to normal which is a good thing but the change feels like really intense Mm -hmm. and the thought of socializing feels really weird and foreign and i basically ended a relationship in the middle of like right before lockdown and then we've just been spending all our time together because it was either spend all your time together or don't see each other at all because you can't travel i ended a relationship i was like izzy that was in 2019 (laughs) you entered a relationship i don't even know why i said that like that's a weird way to phrase it yeah, no, I think that whole topic is such an interesting one about how you negotiate as a relationship life post-lockdown because everyone's moved into this, like, hyper-accelerated... Marriage. Marriage, basically. Mm. And now you're probably going to be wanting to pull back because the whole reason that it's fun dating someone early on is that you're not in that marriage-like yeah. routine. I remember talking to friends who said the COVID relationship they know ended because it was just so intense and so full on. And I was like, oh, mine doesn't feel like that. It feels really relaxed and chill and normal. And now the thought of going back to real life, I'm like, whoa, that's strange. And real life as well is like in the early stages where you have all those fights about going to parties and the person like maybe flirting with someone or them not texting you back because they're out all night. You know, you have all that weird kind of that phase where you're getting used to each other and feeling more secure and we just haven't had that because we've been locked in a house yeah it's so fascinating i also feel as if there's a lot of elements of this lockdown that i would personally like to continue into my real life i've realized this year that i'm very introverted and i like spending a lot of time at home alone just reading or just hanging out with myself or watching things or doing like nothing <laughs> same i love doing nothing. yeah and i think in in real life that felt indulgent or wrong or like you were doing something bad and now I think no I want to make that a thing I want to socialize less like I can't believe I used to spend literally four nights of the week out at dinners or at parties or like drinking and partying it feels insane to me but then it feels weird to not do that once everyone else is yeah it's odd (laughs) I yeah I feel a bit stressed about it uh so I have a good show another good show that I watched last week and it's called the flight attendant and it's kaylee kuko she was on obviously the big bang theory forever and this is her first kind of move into it's a it's still a comedy but it's very dark and dramatic and basically it's about she's a flight attendant and she's also an alcoholic and she is on a plane she looks so good she's so hot and she gets on a plane and um starts flirting with a guy in first class and have a wild night out in Bangkok together. And then when she wakes up in the morning, he's dead beside her. (laughs) And she's an alcoholic, so she can't. She had like this wild night with him and then she can't remember why he's dead. (laughs) And she's and like from the minute you're like, oh, she definitely didn't murder him, but just something happened and his throat is slit, like a bloody murder. And she just woke up and had no idea. So it's really funny. And she's just such, she's such a good actress. It's like a really like inverse of the night of. Have you seen that show? Mm-mm. It's like the inverse, but because it's a guy and the woman's the one murdered, it's like really dark and horrible yeah. and HBO. Yeah. And this one's just hilarious because mm. that's funny. Yeah. And the show, she's so funny in it. It has Shoshana from Girls as her best friend and lawyer and all the best scenes are between them because they just really seem like best friends. Shoshana's just like, you really just, you can't remember anything. <laughs> and she's like, no, dude, no, fuck. <laughs> It's like so true. Yeah, it's it's a great show. I binged I the whole thing. It's such a thing as well how this sounds really obvious, but I feel like I'm realizing this all the time where there are people who are really famous for one thing where they might not even necessarily like the thing that they're famous for or they're, they're super talented beyond the – like I would just write off Kaylee Kuko because I think the Big Bang Theory is stupid. Yes. And she might think the Big Bang Theory is stupid. You, you know, you're, you're an actress. You're not mm. like, oh, I'm an artist. I'm saying no to this multi-million dollar show. Like, you just do what work you can. She probably has all of these, like, elevated tastes. And she would have been making a shit ton of money from that show. Oh, It'd be insane to turn it down. But, yeah, I had no idea about her. I've never been invested in her life. I've never watched the Big Bang Theory. And to see her in The Flight Attendant, she's so funny such a good actress so likable i was just like i want her to be cast in a movie now she's great i think it's probably a very specific kind of acting that she's really good at because it's still kind of sitcom-y but her comedy is just so fucking good she should be in a comedy beside um what's her face 
who we love from Bridesmaids. Oh, Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Yes. A power duo. <laughs> the only other thing I watched that is worth talking about but really sad and intense is Seaspiracy. Oh, I meant to watch that this week. Yeah. I'm scared too. It's basically this muffin guy and, and his girlfriend <laughs> and it's, it's it's like such a badly made documentary but it is it's still really interesting and has really good points but basically this muffin guy and his girlfriend used to pick up plastic on the beach and then something happened like he figured out that japan's still killing dolphins he was like i and then i found out that japan kills all these dolphins in this cove and i was like what the fuck the cove yeah i was like like, like, 19 yeah Yeah. and he was like and i found out that um sea world is really bad and like what literally watches blackfish in the cove yeah it was so funny but then he did all this digging basically and figured out that same as cowspiracy, it's the same makers, but same as cowspiracy that there's all of these ways that the commercial fishing industry fund the government funds them or some shit. And basically all these companies that are supposed to be monitoring the commercial fishing boats to ensure that dolphins don't get killed and that the fishing is all above board and there's not heaps of bycatch and that they're not polluting is non-existent. And those dolphin safe labels on tuna and stuff, they went to the headquarters and the guy was just like, um, yeah, we can't ensure it's dolphin safe because I don't know, we just do what the cat, like the, the, the fishing boat people will just mark down and say no dolphins were killed. And then they basically get oh a dolphin God. safe thing. And then they send people on to check the dolphin safe people send people on board to check. But the guy goes, but they can be bribed. <laughs> and, then, and then all of these people as we well them. have disappeared at sea. Like people who are supposed to be <gasps> checking up on the these commercial checkers. fishing uh, boats uh, uh, have disappeared uh, at sea. Uh, it gets like quite dark. So then he goes to Thailand and Asia and there's all of the, it's basically like slave labor on some of the ships. Yeah. And then it also talks about how in like countries in Africa, people are now fucking starving because the commercial fishing boats have come in and taken all their fish that they would right. catch with their Live own off. hands yeah. and with their own boats and stuff. So it's quite intense, but basically also shows that plastic is the biggest polluter of the ocean, but 60% or something, <laughs> me being like this investigative journalist, can't even Google a stat. So, 60% <laughs> or like something like that. Something, a lot. A lot of the plastic in the ocean is actually the fishing nets that the commercial fishing boats discard of. Right. So that whole big plastic yeah. island the is made of up of fishing nets nets, when the companies tell us it's plastic straws it just makes you feel annoyed because you're like well what am i even supposed to do if i'm recycling and doing all this stuff to stop using plastic and then you have these commercial fishing companies not only killing dolphins by the thousands every day the stats on that were really 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 depressing why do they kill dolphins because they get caught in the nets and also they kill them in japan they either sell them because to like sea worlds and stuff still right because one baby dolphin is worth like a hundred thousand dollars or something or they kill them because the dolphins are eating the fish and they want the fish um. so they kill them like they're a pest essentially it's all a bit depressing poor dolphin i know it made me want to go and work on that sea shepherd pirate the ship sea shepherd, we've all had a time when we wanted to be a fucking sea <laughs> i know i was like i belong here it's so funny how when you're like immersed in something it becomes your whole reality Mm. and you're like all i've ever wanted to do is be a sea shepherd and be out at sea protecting whales and then you turn off the thing and then just don't think i know i remember when isabel lucas you know the um home and away girl she went to japan and was on a surfboard in the ocean trying to prevent the dolphins from being killed and got arrested and stuff and i was like yeah i was like i want to do that with her with her and i just don't she's like no (laughs) i'd be like guys this is a bit risky yeah (laughs) we can just stay on the beach okay so i have two recommendations one is lowbrow one is highbrow i read joan didion's new book of essays let me tell you what i mean it's just coming out in australia this coming monday and it's really good i read it in like one little sitting Ooh, yeah nice easy i'll lend it to you yeah lend it to me but really great essays and they've obviously picked essays from like the 60s and 70s that really relate to current issues so there's a huge one about martha stewart and the kind of sexist critiques of the martha stewart empire and it reads really similar to the way people talk about goop Hmm. which is really interesting and then there's another one about how she didn't get into stanford when she was a 
high school student she got rejected and about like the culture of parents kind of putting all these crazy hopes and dreams into their kids getting into the right colleges which is obviously very linked to the college admissions mm. scandal so there's kind of things like this that still feel very timely and then my lowbrow thing is i've become really obsessed with watching asmr videos which i'm aware i'm about seven or eight years <laughs> late to the party so there's this really cute girl called it's blitz on youtube <laughs> And she does like Paige Elkington and Phoebe Bridges and she just gives them these like face massages and does Reiki on them. And it's just so tantalizing to watch. It's so relaxing. I actually have one more thing. I finally read James Baldwin, Giovanni's Room, ripped through it. Great, easy read, interesting story. But the thing I don't know if you know, but I read the introduction after I read the book and naughty James Baldwin, right, became friends with all these writers and one of these, these famous writers had moved to Paris before him. And then James Baldwin moved to Paris. And this writer, like, helped him out, introduced him to heaps of people and stuff. And then James Baldwin wrote an essay and released it in a magazine about how shit the guy's book was. <laughs> and then the guy never talked to him again. I was like, that's so relatable. The best thing about reading is realizing that humans have just always been mm. the same. Mm. They've just always been assholes. Mm. And they've always been like useless thoughts like, that fall in love so... with bad boys. Yeah, I was like, that's so crazy. Imagine if I just, you wrote a novel and then I wrote an essay about how shit your novel was. You'd be like, can you just Why not? Why did you do that? Yeah. But another really interesting recommendation I have that I did over the weekend was reread the Zola viral 148 part Twitter thread from 2015, yeah. which was by Zola. Um, her real name is Isaiah Wells, and she is a stripper. And basically, after she took this wild trip to Florida with this bunch of strangers, she tweeted about the whole thing in, yeah, like 148 tweets, and it went viral. And now it's being made into a movie. The Zola movie, I feel like they've been talking about for so long. Mm. Is it? The dude that made Florida Project and Tangerine. Is that right? Who who was I think so. talking it's... with Bella Thorne and Bella Thorne, I can't remember his name. Yeah, it's the production company that A24 made, Moonlight and Uncut Gems and Lady Bird and Spring Breakers and all these really cool indie films. Amazing. Definitely the Florida Project, so it's probably the same guy. Yeah, Sean Barker or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, this Twitter thread was just fucking crazy when it came out. And then they – it must be the first time they've adapted a Twitter thread into a movie. Mm. I love that the hype has stayed with it as well. Yeah, me too. So the trailer just came out and it looks so good. But if this is your first time hearing of the Twitter thread, it begins with Zola meeting sex worker named Jessica at Hooters and Zola's a stripper. The two become friends that night as women do and swapped numbers and, you know, were all girly and chatty and giggly. And then Jessica called Zola and was like, do you want to come take a trip to Florida with me to dance at strip clubs because we'll make more money there? And so Zola was like, okay, whatever. She gets in this car and she finds Jessica's boyfriend, Jarrett, and then Jessica's friend, a man named Z, who's also coming. And then Zola finds out when they're on the trip that Z is Jessica's pimp and she's actually going there to have sex with guys for money. Zola was just like, what the fuck is going on? And then the whole thing turns like so crazy and... There's a kidnapping, there's a shooting, there's... <laughs> it's, it's literally the best. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but it's the fucking most wild ride. I had like two bottles of wine and had a pizza and reread the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And me and my boyfriend took one um, tweet at a time. That's a fantastic image. I'm mm-hmm. so excited for that movie. I think, is it Riley Keough's in it? Yes. We can go see it at the movies, hopefully. Yes. So something we were both kind of mildly interested in this week is that Bottega Veneta has revealed that the reason they left Instagram is because they're launching their own publication and they've unveiled a kind of digital magazine and said that they're going to be kind of producing content through this magazine of their own rather than social media. It is a kind of marketing gimmick and I don't think it's super compelling like the content necessarily of the magazine, but I think that it's a sign, obviously, that there's this real boredom with Instagram. Mm. And we're going to talk, do a bit of a deep dive on Clubhouse shortly. But I think that it does really feel like this is evidence that the tide is turning, or at least that brands are aware of this kind of boredom with Instagram. Yeah. So, so yeah, Daniel Lee, who took over Bottega Veneta, is kind of responsible for that brand having this huge revival and everyone getting obsessed with it in fashion. 
But then at the same time, all these girls got obsessed with it on Instagram who Bottega would probably not want their target audience to be. And mm-hmm. so I think that him moving away from Instagram is maybe him trying to keep Bottega being that elusive, mysterious. So when we went to Fashion Week, they had a fashion show, but only like 30 people were invited. Mm-hmm. They want to be super mysterious and elusive. But then the way the brand was going on Instagram and going super viral kind of didn't match with that. Like, I think they would probably hate Kylie Jenner and everyone wearing well, their this brand. this is what I'm confused about because I, when I think about the kind of... Basically, Phoebe Philo was a designer at Celine, and that was like this cult, cult, cult. Everyone in fashion was obsessed with Phoebe Philo at Celine design. But that never had that like Instagram-y Thing. vibe. I don't know how she managed it, but maybe it was just Instagram wasn't as kind of like homogenous as it is now. But Daniel Lee worked for her, and then Phoebe Philo left Celine, and then Eddie Slimane came into Celine and totally change that aesthetic so then when Bottega happened everyone was like oh my god it's like the new Celine kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so that kind of hype bred all of these dedicated fan accounts and made this kind of obsessive Instagram following from the get-go but it seems to me like Bottega likes the fact that Kylie Jenner and Rosie Huntington-Whiteley and Hailey Bieber and stuff will love their shit because Mm. they they obviously lend them stuff yeah surely I know Hailey Bieber is rich but I struggle to believe that she's spending upwards of a hundred thousand dollars on a single Bottega outfit yeah that's true in one go you know what I mean so I feel like that and like Rosie Huntington Whiteley gets invited to the shows I feel like they're sending out mixed messages yeah it's funny them leaving Instagram because they're the first big brand to leave Instagram to obviously make some statement about how it's over or trying to be cool or whatever but then it's funny because that new Bottega account is basically their Mm -hmm. official Instagram account, but it's run by a fan. But then that fan is invited to their shows and works with them on an ongoing basis. She shared their whole magazine on Instagram. It's got over 500,000 followers. So it just feels like they're being like, no, no, we're not on Instagram. And then just working with this. Letting someone else run the Instagram. And like all that content, we said this when it came out, all of the content that was published in that magazine, it exists to be shared on Instagram and spoken about and pushed on Instagram. I feel like it's always kind of boring to say Instagram's over, but it really does feel as if it's moving in this direction of Facebook where there's just this total boredom mm. with the platform. I just feel so unengaged every time I go on. I smashed my phone this week and couldn't <laughs> use it for like three days. And it was bliss. It mm. was so nice. I felt amazing. I felt like a new person not being able to look at fucking stupid Instagram every half an hour. I know. And then I think as well what we talk about heaps on the podcast is being confused about what to use Instagram for. And that's because we use it for like work. Eight different things. Yeah. yeah. I'll like public post work on there. And then I want to use it for inspiration for work or for following people whose clothes I want to emulate or whatever, or writers. I follow heaps of writers on there and like read their work through Instagram and stuff. But then also, yeah, it's like, your old high school friends who you want to unfollow, but you can't unfollow because it's <laughs> rude. Rude. Or, yeah, old <laughs> colleagues. Or just it's becoming this messy Facebook situation where I'm not even seeing the content I want to see. Yeah, I try to make a – not a Finsta. I try to make an extra account where I just followed certain accounts that were related to work that was just secret. Mm-hmm. So I could have a logon to Instagram, which was a socializing logon, and then a logon to Instagram for work purposes, but it never really worked out that way. But like you say, I think we're going to look back at this time and think that it was absolutely bizarre that we relied on a single platform to get news, style inspiration, post life updates, post life updates, family, seeing who got engaged. You know, it's like I mute people that I'm friends with off my feed because I'm looking at my feed for work stuff and then I could literally miss that someone I'm really good friends with is having a baby (laughs) you know it's so weird and then sometimes I'll get just a feeling of oh has someone not liked my photo in ages are they mad at me like should we talk just all this dumb shit and I'm like that shouldn't be coming into a space that's about professionalism or whatever it is about or whatever it is or it's about nothing it's just like Mm. such a stupid space so i think that leads into the conversation about clubhouse which is something that obviously everyone's kind of aware of it's a new invite only app it's kind of like snapchat-esque where you have these conversations and they disappear straight away 
but you can yeah. go into other people's clubhouse conversations and listen to them talk about stuff. Yeah, so you create people create rooms and they'll be about a topic and it can be anything from talking about NFTs and Bitcoin or it can be talking about there was one on a New Yorker deep dive on it that said, Are you what was it? It said, Are you qualified enough for like a six figure man or something? <laughs> Um, and then what models that, yeah man. and then what models want so it's just all over the show I went on it just I never ever use it like literally ever but I went on it just before to see what was going on and there was just Kanye West was just on Clubhouse doing an interview with someone and so yeah. I clicked on it and he's live just being like he goes yeah and then I could just be having a bad day like could have gotten in a fight with my wife and I was like what wife <laughs> yeah you don't have a wife anymore, Kanye. Yeah, then, Haven't and, you been reading E? And then people who are in the rooms, you can put your hand up to talk. So I could have put my hand up and been like, you don't have a You're wife. You're divorced. But, yeah. It's kind of took off in the pandemic and people say that it was because people were wanting a space to gossip and also just a space where when you're so sick of Zoom calls, it's audio only. So you don't have to worry about visuals. It's kind of like a live podcast recording. So it feels intimate. It feels like you're watching something happen in real time like listening to that Kanye West conversation excerpts from it will probably be shared on people tomorrow Mm -hmm. but you're just listening to it firsthand a great example of it is when that crazy L story came out you know that journalist Christy Smythe who fell in love with that horrific pharmacy guy and then he dumped her mid-story she was posing in New um uh in the park in, in New York. Vampire's wife dress. Central Park. Immediately when that article came out, people just wanted to speak about it. So Clubhouse kind of gives you that option of going on and seeing there was a group called That Martin Screlly article and all these people joined and were speculating about it and gossiping about it and hanging out. And then Christy Smythe just joined. She yeah. just like popped up in the room and then started asking answering people's questions. And Elon Musk has jumped in and all these famous people kind of jump in. So it feels like you're hanging out with them, I guess. Yeah. I think the thing that's really interesting about Clubhouse is that it is invite only. And I think invites are going for like a hundred dollars on eBay or 400 something. US 400 dollars. US dollars. Crazy. I have two. We should sell out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think that it's obviously super smart because it's tapping into something that people are feeling right now, which I think is this dissatisfaction with existing social media platforms and this feeling that, they're so bland and broad that they don't actually speak to people's individual interests. So I think there's like an ego trip element with Clubhouse where you feel excited to be in these spaces and you think that they speak to this kind of unique thing about you. Like I'm a special person who understands these cultural conversations. So I belong on this app, but I just wonder how much it's still a business. So I have a feeling that they're not going to keep it so so exclusive forever. So that they raised, I think a hundred me with the stats again. They raised like a hundred million dollars or something within the first six months, which is something that took Facebook and Google and everything years. Mm-hmm. But then to date, they haven't made any revenue because mm-hmm. it's all free. Mm-hmm. So they'll obviously maybe start charging for memberships or something. I kind of just think that they left it exclusive for too long. Like Same. there was a t- there was a point where everyone wanted to be on Clubhouse a few months ago. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? What is this app? Yeah, and people were it was a pandemic, so people were inside with not much to do. So mm. the idea of being able to get into these exclusive places felt really exciting. And Whereas I feel like feels... once people socializing again it's like I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It just it feels like it had that moment kinda of like House Party did, you know, that random app that everyone <laughs> was jumping on and then it was apparently like was stealing like everyone's exact, money or yeah. something. <laughs> Yeah. I think that the question of exclusivity is really, really interesting. And it's definitely served some kind of political purposes. It was banned in China because dissidents were getting on and speaking in this really public way, criticizing the Chinese government. So I think in some ways it seems like it can be a powerful tool. But that New Yorker article you referenced about Clubhouse kind of said it has this veneer of being exciting. And then once you spend quite a bit of time in there, you find that it isn't. There's a lot of conversations about being an entrepreneur and making money. There's a lot of rooms you go into where all you hear is people spruiking these businesses. There's a lot of self-aggrandizing and PRing yourself. We can talk because we have this podcast that we just fucking wank on every week about shit. But even when I was in the Kanye West one, it's also just so unproduced and so live that there were – audio problems with someone trying to ask a question there was someone asking a really stupid question someone said how far do you walk every day and he said 
oh, like 40 minutes or something. And then the guy goes, don't you ever just want to just keep walking? Just walk away from it all. What? I was like, what are you talking Shut about? Like, stop. And then and then the audio was really bad, so you couldn't hear them. It's kind of like a badly produced podcast. But then the exciting thing about it is that it's in real time, I think. And that's what that journalist, The New Yorker, was saying, where she said it feels like a podcast in the sense because you can tune into a conversation and have it kind of background noisy. It doesn't actively require your attention in the way that Instagram and Twitter. But the shine of that wears off pretty quickly because there's a reason that people like produced, planned, edited content. The thing is well with Clubhouse, something really interesting is it's like blurring the lines between public and private conversations even more, which already feel like they're very blurred. So the conversations are meant to be private and immediately removed, but there's been so many cases already of people tweeting out things that are overheard in clubhouse conversations and getting people in trouble. Mm. Or apparently, according to an article in The Guardian I read, they encrypt and keep transcriptions of all of the conversations and people are just signing over their data to that and kind of we know that that's what they do and people just don't care. So the conversations aren't private and they've been the subject of news stories so many times in the last few months, I feel like. Mm. Um, and yet it's meant to be a space where you can kind of talk in this off-the-cuff and way. As if there's and no way, way of – I know you, you can't – save a conversation on the app but you can very easily just record the conversation on loud on your computer or phone yeah exactly and there was that chick from the new york times taylor lorenz or whatever who was in a clubhouse conversation and tweeted i heard someone say the r word trying to get someone cancelled in this conversation and it turned out they were reading out a quote to do with that what was that gamergate thing where they all hacked Wall oh Street. my god they were reading out a reddit thread that used the r word in the thing and then she, this guy was like an industry leader or something and she was tweeting it out as if he'd said this kind of awful thing that she just caught without context. What? You know, there's there's stuff like that happening which is super crazy and it makes you think that private conversations between super smart people are not broadcast to the public for a reason. Mm. There's a reason why things should be edited and like condensed and yeah. thought about before they're aired. yeah. And then as well, what we were talking about earlier was how it just means that now we all just worry about everything we say all the time, even if we're just talking to close friends, because <clears throat> yeah. it feels like anything you say is controversial. Well, it's the thing with the podcast is that because of the way the internet works, you're like constantly thinking of the most negative interpretation of every single thing that you're saying. Mm. There's so many times that we have conversations on the podcast where I'll like qualify something or jump back in to say like, I don't mean uh, uh, because I'm so... If I'm talking to you, I know that you know me and my values and that I'm not saying this super negative interpretation of what I could be seen to be saying. Mm. Yeah, that's very stressful. Moving on, there's been quite a bit of drama in the music world in the past week. So Lil Nas X, who has been kind of everywhere recently, released a new music video for a song called Montero, and it is a banger, I must admit. <laughs> I put it I put it on because of this drama and I wanted to watch the music video and then it was like, God, this is a good song. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Isn't it? 
probably going to join TikTok and do some dances to it. Why were people angry about the video, so, Satan? So they were, what? Something about Satan. I just want to get up this tweet that friend of the pod, Katia, um, the drag queen who we adore, posted something really funny about this. Okay, so while you do that, I'll explain. Yeah. The bit that I was going to talk about is that Lil Nas X was accusing FKA Twigs, sorry, had copied FKA Twigs's cellophane music video. So when I first saw that, I was like, oh, what? Just because he pole dances too. She didn't invent pole dancing. But then when you watch the videos side by side, it's like so copied. It's just so ridiculous. Basically, they're both up in the heavens and it's like this mystical thing and then they come down from the heavens into hell on a pole and pole dancing came out quite recently right yeah and then the other thing is cellophane was nominated for best music video at the grammys last year and it lost to lil nas x's last music video and then his new music video completely copies cellophane and basically they had asked FK Twigs's director of Cellophane to do this video. He declined and then they copied it anyway. He went on Twitter and basically called them out, just saying when an artist is in a position of power and repurposes someone's labor and ideas to serve their brand image, they cause harm by displacing the efforts of the artist who did the original legwork. And since then, FK Twigs called Lil Nas X. They had a big conversation and he shared a tribute to her on Instagram saying that he wasn't aware that his team had used her video so directly. And she shared a thing to him on Instagram saying, I'm so like happy with our constructive conversation. And so everything seems to have kind of been fine now. But it's just an interesting kind of topic because it's interesting when two people are in positions of power and it is for the same thing both music videos and obviously fk twigs her last album mary magdalene was actually i think her album's just called magdalene but it's about mary magdalene who was that biblical figure who was often thought of as a sex worker so for that that's why she learned pole dancing she spent years crafting it and she's worked with the sex worker industry and stripper industry since then because she was called out for appropriating their culture and not referencing them and not saying where she got her inspiration from so she's done years of work to kind of remedy that and donate money and all of these things. And then Lil Nas X has kind of come in and just taken the idea for a music video, which makes money. Like obviously both of them are funded by record labels. Obviously both of them are brands and they're both kind of using this subculture to commercialize it and make money for themselves as brands. So it's like naughty for both of them kind of thing. Yeah, totally. I think this kind of touches on what we were talking about with Harry Styles and the way he kind of flirts with the gender fluidity movement. Mm. It's just kind of funny because this has been like the history of music. Like I think about Madonna and voguing and how she took that from this like Harlem ballroom culture of the 80s and was criticized because she really didn't use or credit any of the original creators of that movement in her work and yet she was praised for kind of heroing this quote unquote subculture like just like underground community underground community it was seen as like elevating the queer community in some way but it kind of wasn't it was taking something absolutely fantastic and amazing they were doing and using it for herself and i think that it's like if lil nas x and fk twigs can take these elements of the sex work community and still be as famous as they are then what they're doing isn't particularly subversive because it wouldn't have this like crazy mass huge appeal. And I think that this is the thing that we just see happening with pop artists all the time, which is they cherry pick elements of more interesting subcultures and turn them into like a highly commercialized, highly slick brand. And then dumb basic white people think it's super engaging and interesting and subversive because it's like this totally watered down cordial version of what the actual subculture is done by a massive record label yeah it's basically taking these things like with the paris is burning thing you had this incredible 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 movement going on and then you had someone like madonna coming in and taking like three percent of it Hmm. but then getting david fincher to direct it and she's like white and heterosexual and whatever i think there was like a lot of backlash over fk twigs's pole dancing in the 
black and queer communities when she first released all of her music videos and I still thought that that was the case but I think she's done quite a lot to remedy it. I was reading an article and she donated £10,000 to three fundraisers during COVID because sex workers' work was obviously really impacted. She gave over her Twitter and Instagram accounts. She's now acknowledged that. Kailani actually released a song and a music video and she was praised for just doing it right first time because it was incorporating pole dancing and right from the get-go she released when she released the music video she acknowledged that Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of the way forward I guess it's that double-edged sword thing where the artists are introducing the masses to something which might like the way FK Mm -hmm. Twix is giving over her Twitter and Instagram and really promoting it to millions of people is a good thing because it might help these communities make money but then at the same time if you're commercializing something and these celebrities, like with OnlyFans, celebrities are joining OnlyFans, which kind of promotes OnlyFans, which has predominantly sex workers needing money during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. But then also people are going to those celebrities' accounts instead of the OnlyFans accounts. I feel like we expect too much of celebrities where we expect them as people to like contextualize themselves in a culture. Mm. If that makes sense. It's like FK Twigs, when she probably started looking up YouTube videos of pole dancing and became mesmerized by it, she wasn't thinking about how am I as a commercial artist commodifying this Mm. art form that is usually reserved by the queer community and sex work communities? She's just thinking, this is fucking cool. I want to do this in my music video. You know what I mean? And it's, she has no idea if that's going to take off or if people are going to hate it or if it's going to become synonymous with her brand or if it's going to be the thing that everyone's obsessed with her about. You just don't know in that moment. And I think with a lot of these conversations, it's like what we were talking about with Emrata last week. The conversation isn't necessarily about the person themselves mm. fucking up or doing something with horrible motives. It's to do with how our culture like picks what it consumes and who we like elevate and who we get obsessed with and who we ignore. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a bigger part of it. Yeah, and I think it's completely different in terms of like the copying thing. It's completely different if, say, Lil Nas X was copying an independent filmmaker. Mm-hmm. who had made a film and done that exact routine than it is him copying another really powerful celebrity with a huge following. Like, for example, that We Wore What Girl, Daniel Bernstein, literally stealing designs from independent designers and remaking it and selling it and doing it over and over and over again is not okay. No, that's crazy. So the latest she did was Nancy Dejaka, who's this really cool Albanian designer, Central St. Martin's graduate who you definitely guys would have seen online. It's that kind of like lingerie, sexy dressing. Me and Izzy always laugh about how we'd love to wear it and we would look crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to wear this for my 30th birthday. You were sending me them. I was like, we're not yeah, go on, yeah. Dua Lipa. But yeah, the We Will Walk girl, like shamelessly, blatantly copied those designs. And that feels gross because she has this huge, huge, huge platform and following and this huge manufacturing body behind her. And the designer behind Nancy Dujaka is literally a recent uni student who's trying to like build up a brand in real time and who like the crafting of those garments is crazy it's really hard with fashion i think to like prosecute copying but um yeah when the power dynamic is like that it just feels so 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 gross yeah it's so hard in creative industries because Mm -hmm. you obviously have a mood board and you obviously have inspiration and you can reference people pretty directly but it's just so naughty when you're like taking someone's livelihood away. This is kind of a random thing to bring up, but I have been in like an Amy Schumer wormhole lately because <laughs> I saw Diet Prada posted like a racist joke she did about like Asian vaginas being small. And I was like, I can just rattle off the top of my head like seven male comedians that have made way, way, way worse mm-hmm. like anti-Asian <laughs> jokes than this, not excusing her. But I was like, what? And then she commented on Diet Prada. This is so inappropriate. I'm so sorry. And everyone in the comments was like, another fucking reason to fucking hate Amy fucking Juma. And I was like, why does everyone hate her again? Like, I just couldn't remember. Mm. And I was reading through everything. And a huge thing with her was that she was accused of stealing jokes. Do you remember that? That was like no. a huge scandal. And I watched this YouTube compilation. And some of them are just like the essence of the joke she's taken is so vague. And then I saw an interview with Judd Apatow where he was like, if you obsessed over anyone to this degree in comedy, you could create something like this where they've said something that someone else has made a joke about before Hmm. but i think i just think the copying thing is so interesting because to a certain degree nothing 
is original. Yeah. But obviously. Even the way fashion works, it's just mm-hmm. redoing everything all over again. Like yeah. corsets are having a massive moment. And I interviewed the All is a Gentle Spring designer. And corsets are having a massive moment because Vivian Westwood did corsets years and years and years ago. That's and- what I mean. And I'm just like, to me with Diet Prada especially, that's a really great young emerging designer. If Diet Prada decided to get old vintage pictures of Vivian Westwood corsets and this designer and put them side by side and try and turn it into a story, mm. there would be thousands of people that would be like, fuck you, and then yeah, tagging yeah, her. Yeah. There's a really great Australian designer who really took off with a certain number of dresses a couple of years ago, which are like really, really similar to an old 90s Prada collection. And they were celebrated, whereas other designers that are considered less favorable are like cancelled for the exact same thing. Mm. Where people are like, I can't believe the blatantness of you cop. Like the, it feels very, it feels like who we decide to hate on for like copying can be very selective. I don't mean that in the context of what we're talking about. Like the we wore what thing has happened like a billion times yeah. and she's awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I find a lot of the things that people go after each other for on social media to be like very blatantly bias Mm. do you know what i mean yeah it just stems back to the media you choose to ingest versus who's telling you the media Mm -hmm. versus who we think is important and whose stories we want to tell and whose (laughs) posts we want to go off at and who we want to defend i think it's just this thing that happens in social media and it happens in media media where i think we just get used to thinking that we're like passively accepting objective information that's something actually in one of the Joan Didion essays in that new book of essays of hers. She says that this is in the 60s. She's like, I feel like I can't read the New York Times anymore because I feel like the writers have such obvious biases based on their lived experience but, like, won't acknowledge it anywhere. Mm. Whereas something like the Wall Street Journal, the writers have very obvious biases based on their lived experience but are quite open about how it informs their writing. And this was written in 1968 and I'm like, oh it feels so relevant now, you know. Yeah. I wrote a piece recently that hasn't come out yet but it was about the language we used and it was kind of similar to that quote you shared when Sarah Everard got murdered and how we just talk about you know violence against women but we don't say who's committing the violence and the way we frame things is we say a woman got murdered not a man murdered a woman or whatever and it just went into how just the way we respond to media is like the way it's fed to us and the way it's fed to us is determined by who's writing it and who's feeding it to us and that's predominantly rich white people. I also wrote an article. We both wrote articles for the same publication. <laughs> I for the also same, wrote an article. Um, for the same issue. So they concentrated on similar issues. And the piece I wrote was about how, like, Instagram is pushing sex workers and sex educators off the platform. But I spoke to Liz Goldwyn, who we've interviewed on the podcast before, and she was basically saying when we talk about social media, the biases of the creators are, like, baked into the hardware. Instagram was never designed to protect women from being harassed Mm. because it was made by men who don't know what it is to be harassed. Twitter was never made to protect trans women of color from abuse by bots because if you're a white cis het guy, that doesn't cross your mind when you're inventing the algorithms. That's so true. And it's kind of like the same thing with... Language. Yeah, language and media and the way things are presented to you. You know, we talk about how men are seen as like the normal and women are like variations on the normal. White is seen as normal and like non-white is seen as variations on the normal. It's like the way that we consume all media, we just take it as like normal and as anything else as a variation on it where it's like, no, we're getting a very biased, specific interpretation of the world whenever we read or listen to anything. It's so, so interesting. And there's a woman called Jane Gilmore. I think you actually shared one of her things on Instagram where she fixes headlines and she'll just Um. cross them out and rework them. And so, for example, um, one of the ones she did last week was the Sydney Morning Herald article, which says, Labour MP says that NSW government MP raped a female sex worker. And she just crossed it out. So it's Labour MP says that NSW government MP raped a woman. Mm -hmm. Because why are you mentioning her? profession you wouldn't mention her profession if she was a hairdresser yeah raped an accountant yeah Yeah, and it's just so interesting because until she pulls that up you would probably read that and because you're reading news so fast it wouldn't even clock that that's a weird thing to say or that that's the wrong thing to say and since she started this instagram account she's also written a book she's resulted in countless publications 
changing their headlines or issuing apologies and thousands of people actually writing in and saying that's not the right way to address things um so she's like making change really slowly which is really great and it's like when we worked in magazine publishing the way that we wrote headlines was just so informed by the quote-unquote house style which had just been established literally in the cases of the titles we worked for over 100 years ago and had kind of been worked at over time but so you were walking in thinking, this isn't me doing this. I'm just the middleman mm. writing stuff. But I would publish headlines that said stuff like... Clickbaity stuff. Clickbaity stuff, but also stuff that said, you know, six non-surgical ways to get a flatter stomach in like two weeks or something. Like this is 10 years ago or like eight years ago. Mm. But that was shit that I like typed out with my own hands. Like no one had a gun to my head. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like perpetuating this idea, but it was just based on the fact that white women who want to be skinny work at these titles and then create content that they think they want to read. And then everyone starts to think like, this is normal. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And um, the cycle continues. And the cycle goes on. Anyway. Anyway, bye. <laughs> <laughs> A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.